Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. Good morning again. So last week, um, my hope was to kind of dial us in a bit. Um, with this, what I would call a fulfilled reading from Psalm 3527. I say fulfilled because I inserted the name of Jesus into the psalm, and Jesus' name wasn't in any of those psalms. I did it to help us bridge the connection to how we can talk about our righteousness. I did this to help us think and together move into the reality that in Jesus we really do have righteousness. Complete righteousness in him. And we really are darkness conquering light in the world. To dial us into the truth that God created us to be this and that God genuinely, actively, cares about and for us, even delights in us while we're growing into what he's created and is calling us to be. Here's what we read again, just for those of you who weren't here and for those who were, just to give a reminder. Let those who delight in Jesus our righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Remember reading that? How much do we actually believe that? We might believe that God is great, some of us, but how much do we really believe that he cares deeply, actively for our welfare, moment by moment, every moment? I ask that because I think the Lord's challenging us to accept it and believe it. And I think he's calling us to get beyond just thinking ideas about him and what he says. See, we're kind of conditioned to do that, to enter in and to sing about him. But he wants intimacy not just with you and you and you, but with y'all, us. And we don't understand corporate intimacy very well. And this is something that I believe God is truly after. And he wants to help us receive how he thinks and feels about us so that we can begin to live in to who we are. Christ. And that's not just being moral good people. Friends, please look at me and hear me. That is nowhere near, near, not even close to his caller intent. That is way, way short of who you were created to be. 
being in Christ and following him does bear the fruit of goodness. But we've been conditioned to think about individual protection, promotion, salvation so much that we miss a lot of what the Bible actually says. So God's come to challenge the identity that's been formed and shaped in us. Because most, if not every single one of us, have a ton of false ideas about who we are, about who God is, about who the church is. I've done this or this, therefore I'm. We think that way. Or God did or didn't do this or I don't know and he left the blank. We think that way and doubt his character. Or we've experienced unkindness in the church. Therefore, the church is. I'm not saying those aren't at least reasonable things to go through our minds and consider. But let me be clear. Those are a pathology. There's a lot of darkness that needs to be dispelled by the light of God's truth and present so that presence so that we can actively, consistently live into who He actually created and is calling us to be. So today, I hope by His kind grace to point us in that direction. Let's pray and ask for His help. Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of each one of our hearts be pleasing to You, Holy Spirit, There's so much contradicting noise in our souls. I love the sound of children in our service. That's never a problem. And when we get bit sideways about that, I would challenge us to consider how much noise inside is actually getting in the way. Please, Jesus, help us through this so that we might become who you've created us to be. We pray in your name. Amen. I love the sound of kids. You know what it always means? They're here. Think about that. So I'm going to walk through Psalm 139 today, and you can do that relatively quickly if you look at it in sections. And so that's what I'm going to do in here, but I want to encourage each one of you every single one of you, to please go and meditate on Psalm 139 this week. Read it every day. But read it after listening to what we talk about because there's some parts of it that can be like, wait, what? But I want to give some context to help us understand that. And then I really am asking you to read it. Like the, the big old bald preacher is literally saying, go home and read Psalm 139, okay? Please do that. All right, here we go. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down are acquainted and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. From these verses, from these first six verses, what we hear is that God knows us. The Hebrew word's yada, isn't it? Yada. It's an intimate understanding of who you are. He knows you. He actively knows you. Not just, oh yeah, I remember when I made Jared. He's engaged with Jared and with the people to whom he's called Jared. And that throughout history. He knows his people. Starting in verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even if the darkness is not dark to you, Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Not only does he know us, he is Emmanuel. He is with us. And that gets challenged by circumstances a lot. But remember, if I'm standing right here in all the places you can see from your vantage point, you don't identify me standing right here, does it mean I'm not here? Or does it mean you don't see me right now? And we accuse God of not being there often when he is. And it's not just a thing to take as a given and to go, oh yeah, we know that. No, 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 no. That's, that's part of the mistake. Actively. He's engaged with us. He sees us. He knows us. He is with us. I'm going to keep reading. For you formed me, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Your book, in your book, were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God, who knows us, is with us, He made us. That ought to speak to the intimacy of knowing and being with. He formed you. His hand is gentle upon you, even when difficult things are happening. He knew your steps before there were one of them. We walk in time. He is in and out of time with no constraint. He is present with us. And again, I just humbly want to challenge all my evangelical brothers and sisters in the room, that before you check out going, Al, we're not in Bible school. We know this stuff. You don't live like you do. I don't mean that it, with any guile. Heck, I don't live like I, I know it half the time. 
Maybe more than half the time. God's always showing me. And he's not shaming me for it. He's just calling me back to live as his son. This is who you are. If Tim were sitting here, would he not go, he would probably stand up right now. Has this changed Tim's life? He said, who we are in Christ, we haven't gotten there in our minds yet. Who we actually are, not just who we're becoming, who we are. And it is because of his work about us. That makes us who we are. Us coming in line with that, that's life. That's the adventure. That's the challenge and the glory. Verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they would be more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. You know what the psalmist is saying there? He's saying, you share your mind, your thoughts, your ways with me and with your people. Think about that. This is why the prophet would write, who is a God like you? Who doesn't just manipulate us like pieces on a chessboard? But you share your thoughts with us. You do everything necessary so that your spirit can be with us and we can begin to discern those thoughts and walk in them and live lives differently. Verse 19. Now listen to this carefully and don't check out. Because this is really hard, what I'm about to read for our culture, especially. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Now, everybody look at me. In this day and time, in this culture, that is a declaration of allegiance. That is saying, God, I am for you. David killed thousands of people as a warrior. Jesus had not come yet and said to David, love your enemies. Do you hear that? We live on the other side of the one who took the sin and the weight of mankind upon himself, upon the cross, so that we could be the anti-terrorists, the anti-killers, the ones who would go into a place and give our lives to the end that others would know. Do you hear that? So don't shrink back when you read this, go, I can't read the Old Testament. What? This is an honest declaration of allegiance in a culture to say, you know me, you think of me, you share your thoughts with me, you made me, I am with you, your enemies are my enemies. Same now, except Christ has taught us, love them. That should have gotten an amen. Thank you. For real. It wasn't a negotiable point. Love your enemies. You don't have to hate, even if you're a soldier, even if you're called to work that is so hard. You don't have to hate. You have to be obedient. 
You have to love. And you have to do the works that he's ordained for you. We don't like to talk about it because it's hard. Can we just let it be hard? It's hard. That's life. You don't need to be coddled away from that. So what we learn when we read that is because of who he is, we side with him. Because of who Jesus is, we side with him. And then it finishes here. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. The God who knows us, who is with us, who made us, who shares his minds, his thoughts with us. We side with him and we embrace him speaking to us and leading us. I promise you in the name of Christ, you don't have a better plan. You don't. He has the plan. And if you're frustrated because you've been trying to discern it, I get that. Boy, do I get that. But let me just invite you again to something I said in the beginning. This is a corporate intimacy. The church needs to discern her king and husband-to-be's plan and then walk as the bride instead of I'm over here trying to think and figure out. That's not in there. We are to discern and follow faithfully, courageously, personally, yes. But the majority of what we read in Scripture is to a people. Not a cult, not uniformity, unified, unity in Him, distinct and beautiful and different and still in love. That's when those who delight in Jesus, our righteousness, can shout for joy and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his people. Through the work of his son, he's devoted to making us his people who he created and is calling us to be. And he desires that none of us miss out on this. He desires that we walk in the light as he is in the light. He desires that we be transformed glory to glory into the image of his beloved son. He desires that we become a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a people for his own possession to be light in a world that's dying in the darkness. And if we continue to sit and be so me-focused and just worried about this and then get distant and don't get to the place where we celebrate the truth that we are the sons and daughters of God called to be one in Christ, one perfectly one as you and I are one father so the world will believe that you sent me and that you have loved them even as you loved me until we do that the message is being missed and another message is being heard and the world isn't going to get another witness it's the church 
It's us. We are plan A and Z. We're it. For us to do otherwise is so tragically short of his resurrection power that's at work in us. He knows us. He's with us. He made us. He shares his word with us, his thoughts with us, his spirit actively speaking in and through us and to us. He delights in our welfare. It is his good pleasure to give his little flock, his bride, his people, his kingdom. That is his delight. So as we journey together now, it's time. If you haven't picked up on it yet, this is pushing forward. It's time for us to begin to receive from God our identity personally and corporately and walk in that accepting his posture toward us his words toward us in Jesus so that as one unified people we can side with him alone go all in at all costs, welcome and embrace and even delight in his searching us out and redirecting us. You have nothing to fear in him except the darkness and death going away. And you have everything to gain. Amen. You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.